Welcome to the Well Woman Show, where we use intersectional feminism, mindfulness, leadership, and strategy to support smart women to change the world without anxiety, insecurity, and burnout. On the show, we challenge the status quo and support you to unlearn harmful messages that keep you playing small so you can activate your superpowers and live with joy, confidence, and ease. I'm your host, Giovanna Rossi. The Well Woman Show. I'm your host, Giovanna Rossi. Before we get started today, I want to take a moment to pay tribute to the life of my longtime mentor and friend, Anne Riley. Anne was my first political boss 26 years ago when I was starting my career, where she opened doors for me and encouraged me as she did with so many young women throughout her life. Anne worked at Sandia National Labs for 33 years was a New Mexico state senator from 1992 to 1996, and she worked tirelessly for the community, including with All Faiths Receiving Home and countless other projects she helped create. She leaves behind her husband of 59 years, Ray Riley, and so many others she touched throughout her life that will miss her eternally upbeat, cheery, and generous energy. She was a leader, a mom, a wife, and a friend. She will be truly missed. Welcome to The Women We Come From, a special series for and about our mothers and leadership during the month of May on The Well Woman Show. I'm your host, Giovanna Rossi, and I'll be joined all month long by guest hosts interviewing their mothers about life, love, leadership, and the wisdom they pass on to their daughters. The stories they share will make you laugh and cry, but most of all, they help us honor the hard work of being a woman, a mom, and a leader. All the best and most effective leadership skills, really everything we need to grow into compassionate, driven, smart leaders, are passed down to us through these generations of strong women. The guest hosts are past guests on The Well Woman Show and include Celestina Garcia, Bob C. Sanandale, and Alicia Ortega. First up is Celestina Garcia with her mom, Gloria Garcia, who is one of 12 kids in her family from Dahlia, New Mexico, who taught her own children that your wealth is your health. Then Bob Z. Sinandale will interview her mom, Kazi Sinandale, who left her rural village in South Africa to build a life of service here in the U.S. And Alicia Ortega interviews her mom, Rebecca Ortega, a bilingual Tewa woman from the pueblos of Santa Clara and Powake, who is committed to her family and preserving her language. Finally, you'll hear my interview with my own mother, author, adventurer, and abuela extraordinaire, Carol McPhee-Lang. Each guest host has a distinct style and brings her unique gifts to the show, and I'm so honored and privileged to share the mic with them. Today's program will feature clips from all four hosts, and full interviews can be heard on the Well Woman Show podcast at npr.org during the month of May. First, we'll hear from Celestina Garcia and her mom, Gloria Garcia, a 12th generation New Mexican from Dahlia, New Mexico. Mom, I want to welcome you to this experience and thank you so much for saying yes to another crazy thing that I'm pulling you into. Um, How are you doing this morning? A little nervous. Very proud to be with you because I've seen you share a lot with 
a lot of people and it makes me proud to be your mom. Uh, well, I am very grateful you are my mom because definitely we know that our roots and who we come from are a major part of where we go. Um, so I'd like to start and ask, can you share a little bit about your history and our family, where you come from? From what I know, my parents grew up in Dalia. Their parents grew up in Dalia. They were ranchers and cowboys and very strong faith people because they come from, their wealth came from their faith. They taught us to work and always look for ways to bettering ourselves and to be proud of where we came from, to strive to do, to continue the heritage that they left us. And that was in in our faith and showing our children how to go forward in life. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I know um, the experience of also sharing and, you know, this gave me a very, um, you know, vulnerable experience to talk about our family because we are so close and it's challenging sometimes to think about those who we love and who have passed on and transitioned. My grandmother Celestina and my grandfather Fidel were very strong in their faith. Um, Both of them, you know, like you said, those strong ranchers that got up at sunrise and worked till sunset. And I know you come from a big family too, uh, with 11 brothers and sisters what would you say for you as you know we talk about usually a middle child being like the middle of like three or four kids but I know you're the middle child of 12 total from grandma and grandpa and so just curious for you um what was that like to grow up in such a big family sometimes very challenging and most of the time very rewarding because I had the older siblings that took care of me and then I had in return I had to help with the younger children and their kids when they had started having children my sisters my two oldest sisters which were the oldest of the family were very young when they got married and I think that that was an inspiration for me to not not put myself in that position because I saw their struggles as very very young I was Mm -hmm maybe four or five years older than my oldest nephews. So my sisters were very very young, 16, 17-year-old girls having babies and raising. It's hard to raise a family, especially when you're so young and inexperienced, I guess. So that Mm -hmm. taught me to, you know, be mindful of how I viewed my life and what goals I put in it. And then I had, my father got hurt when I was 16. So we were left without that support. And my mom, we had two younger siblings that were very young. So we had to help my mom continue, you know, doing the finance and, you know, you know, like a lot of people say, oh, they're on welfare. No, welfare doesn't help. Maybe it helps you exist, but it doesn't give you enough to to really take care of a family. Mm-hmm. So when you struggle, when you struggle through putting food on the table, it teaches you to go forward and make different choices so that you don't have that struggle when you're grown. Absolutely. 
Yeah. And it sounds like that responsibility really taught you a lot and, you know, is also challenging to, you know, go back to those memories. So I appreciate you sharing, Mom. That was Celestina Garcia talking to her mother, Gloria Garcia. And now we'll hear from Bobsy Sanandale, who interviewed her mom, Kazi Sanandale, who is originally from South Africa. Can you give us just kind of like a brief idea of the community work that you do here in Albuquerque, New Mexico? Yes, I can. Uh, my husband and I realized after being in New Mexico for like 10 years that there were people like refugees here in Albuquerque, New Mexico. During the 1994 Rwanda genocide, we ended up sponsoring a, a young lady to come to the United States. She was orphaned. And so instead of getting a a knowledge about refugees from helping her. So we went about to uh, the apartments where we heard refugees were. And when we found them, we were lucky to, to, to because we wanted only to know who were refugees, even though they did not speak our language, we wanted to see how we could uh, even participate. So fortunately, mm-hmm. on the first day that we were with them, one of them was point kept pointing to his head several times, and we did not know what he was saying until we had one of the girls who speak English interpret for us. Apparently, he was having a severe headache. And so from then, we took him to the emergency room, and we stayed with him for 13 hours. Was, even though we did not speak his language because we wanted to make sure that he was going to be taken care of. So that was introduction to the refugee work. And from 2007, we have welcomed refugees from Asia, Africa, Latin America, and the Middle East. And we've served no, all of them without any like restrictions. Oh, you're from Africa, Asia. We serve all. Although our mm. primary reason to do that, we wanted to serve Africans. But being raised in South Africa in apartheid, did not want to live isolated lives no more. I love that so much, Mom. I think it's really important to be a citizen of the globe and, you know, to kind of break down borders and to help our neighbors. So I really admire that work. And I think that it kind of translates into my own life now as I live my own purpose and figure out the next steps every time I think about how can I impact the community around me. So I really appreciate that. So speaking of community, I always remember you saying certain phrase and I'm going to have you say it because I know that I've lost a lot of my language, but can you say that? And can you please kind of go into the philosophy of Ubuntu? So Ubuntu means a person is a person through other persons. Uh, so Ubuntu is used in uh, South Africa. Actually, that's a term that was coined in South Africa, uh, mostly by the Zulu people. However, South Africa uses that a lot. Uh, so in other words, it's say because I am um, I'm in this home, I have to remember that next door and other neighbors in my community my community. So if one needs salt or sugar, I have to provide that salt or sugar for that person. When there are funerals, I have to be part of that funeral. No no one is going to invite me. I know already that I must go and help this family. For even any occasions, weddings and all, the women and the girls, I mean, we like just get together. We just go help this family and make a successful project, whatever that project is. Because we believe that humanity requires us to be able to be responsible one to another. And so that is why for us, me and my husband, it's been difficult not to help out people no matter where they come from. Even though we don't get paid, we know know that it's our duty to be part of the humanity, helping one another. That is so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing, Mom. 
That was Bobsy Sanandale talking to her mother, Kazi Sanandale. And now we'll hear from Alicia Ortega, who interviewed her mother, Rebecca Ortega, from the pueblos of Santa Clara and Powake. My whole life, I have always been an advocate for women, uh, Native women and all women across the board, because I feel that women actually make the world go around. And a lot of times women are not given the appreciation the respect and the places that we need to be in to help our world become better. And in this way, now that we are so excited with our new secretary of the interior, Deb Holland, because I feel like at this time with the climate change and everything happening, our world was going into such a bad area, into destruction. And now I just feel so much hope because Deb being a woman and being a native woman with a heart, she understands that our, our mother earth really needs healing and needs to be rebalanced. And as a result, I know that that's what's going to be happening. And I'm just really, really happy because we need to save our mother earth. That's who we live on. And that's who we depend on for our survival and for, you know, water and everything. And so I'm just really, really happy about that. Wonderful. Well, I couldn't agree with you more about the pride and happiness and seeing Deb and Sharice and positions of power and and just being able to advocate more for our tribes and for women. So that's, you know, I, I echo that. And with that, you know, I wanted to ask you our next question, which is, not where, but who did you come from? And being raised by you, <laughs> I have my own perspective of that. But just wanting to hear from you, you know, as you mentioned, a Pueblo woman growing up in the Pueblo and, you know, very close to your culture and a language preservationist. How do you feel or about when you are asked, who did you come from? Well, I come from the Native world, the Native American world, and I am so proud to be a Native woman. And I come from the Pueblos of Santa Clara and Pewaukee. And I just am so happy with the fact that our Pueblos and our ancestors have done so much to preserve us, to bring us this far, to help us to become who we are today. The fact that we have been oppressed and and everything in the hundreds of years, but our ancestors are so strong and so resilient and so full of tradition, culture, language, and prayers that they have brought us this far. And this is where we need to keep moving forward. And I think that just like my my daughter said, you know, when Deb Holland became the Secretary of the Interior, her comment was, this is our ancestors' dreams come true. And I really felt like that was all of it. Our ancestors worked and sacrificed and gave everything for us. And here we are now. And and they taught us the love, the respect, the compassion that we hold today in our pueblos. And, and we celebrate always in in our dances, our songs, our tradition, our culture, our language. And that's where I come from and, and food. And so I think that good food, Pueblo food, yes. <laughs> and um, so I, I'm just really, really happy to come from our Native people. And and like I said, I, I am deep gratitude for all of our, the strength, the courage that our ancestors have given us and shown us. And that's what carries us every day in our, in our lives, in our Native lives. 
Thanks, Mom. I couldn't agree with you more. I'm very appreciative to have been brought up in this way. And, you know, I, I felt really, you know, inspired when I saw you and your buddies, Tweety and Anne and Charlotte and Becca all go out and really support Deb in true fashion and bring that Pueblo feast and appreciation for her accomplishments that which, as you said, are accomplishments for all of us to to D.C. And that was just a really beautiful thing to see, you know, you all as as matriarchs, as Pueblo women matriarchs go out and celebrate, celebrate Deb and Charisse. And so that that meant a lot to me. And and I just absolutely loved seeing you all do that was one of the most beautiful things I'd ever seen. That was Alicia Ortega talking to her mother, Rebecca Ortega. We'll be right back. You're invited to join me for a brand new monthly group experience over in the Well Woman Academy. This is a monthly group that includes access to the full six-week course based on feminism, mindfulness, and the Well Woman Life Framework. It includes weekly groups coaching sessions with me, as well as office hours and a private Facebook group to share and grow. Don't get me wrong. This is hard work, but with these tools, you will easily find the time to do the course, get the coaching and reach your goals monthly. If you find yourself worrying about whether you'll ever make it in the thing you're pursuing, waking up in the middle of the night with anxiety, lacking the energy you need to get everything done, stuck in some aspect of leading your team, procrastinating on moving forward with projects and tasks, or in a leadership role, but second guessing yourself constantly, I'd love to introduce you to the Well Woman Academy. It's for smart, high-achieving women changing the world who want to overcome anxiety, burnout, perfectionism, and insecurity. The result? You get to live your Well Woman life, a life of joy, ease, and abundance, even when things are tough all around you. Visit wellwomanlife.com academy to learn more. We're back on the Well Woman Show. Now we'll hear a bit from me interviewing my mom, Carol McFeeling. Can you tell listeners just a little bit about your background, who and where you come from. I was born in Scotland, in Glasgow, where my father was going to university and left there at one month old to travel up to Persia and lived there for years and years until I left there with my mother at the age of eight and a half. My mother was a mother who loved little boys and did not love little girls. So I was always sort of an appendage there, but that was something I got used to. So that seems like that was obviously a big impact for you to perceive it that way and, and to talk about it that way. How did that affect you in your life? It affected me by making me aware that women were actually quite wonderful people And so I couldn't ever understand really why my mother would feel, for a long time, I didn't understand why my mother would feel not the same kind of love for an only daughter that she spent, uh, that she felt for the sons that she had. But of course, eventually I came to understand why. It was because she had extremely low self-esteem as a female, as a woman herself. And she saw all women as somehow lacking in a number of different ways, not as coosy, as they say in Scotland. She always thought that little boys, oh, they're so coosy, they're so cute, you know, and little girls are just a pain. So 
my reaction to that, of course, was I was terribly hurt by it and longed to be loved as as a little girl by my mother and wasn't. So that did affect me. The good side of it is that I had two daughters of my own whom I thought were just wonderful. So I did manage to break that circle of negativity and see little girls and women as uh, as special human beings. How I transcended that negative first experience in childhood, really, except that I thought it was really unfair (laughs) because I thought I was pretty neat and I couldn't understand why other people, especially my mother, didn't think I was wonderful because I did have quite a good opinion of myself, I have to say. (laughs) Even as a child, I knew that I was intelligent and imaginative and that wasn't appreciated, but it didn't mean that I didn't know it. So yeah, how, how did you transcend that? Because this is one example of how you challenged your circumstances and you didn't accept, you know, you just didn't accept it and, and then just go on. You, you challenged it and you created a life for yourself and you, you went on to use your creativity and your imagination and travel and move to New York when you were very young. Where did you get that sense? of I'm just going to get up and and do it. I'm going to live my life. I think it was largely a rebellion. I was a rebellious spirit and I was deeply uh, castigated for being a rebel. It wasn't appreciated. Rebellious young girls and women were not appreciated in those days. So I left home when I was 17 and it was like a liberation. I I had gone to a secondary school because I failed my entrance exam to a better school. And uh, so I went to a secondary school, had a horrible education, and then won a scholarship to college in Norwich in Norfolk, uh, 20 miles away. So because I had won that, my mother, she didn't think it was wonderful that I'd won it. She just knew that it would be regarded as not on or not acceptable for her to forbid me to go. That wouldn't look good to other people. So I went, did that, hated doing it. It was business administration, something like that, which I didn't enjoy. And soon after that, I left, ventured up to London, got a job at an advertising agency, loved the big city, walked along um, Oxford Street one day and saw a sign in the window that people were needed in America and they would be given a green card in exchange for going. So I went. (laughs) And specifically, people were needed in an in the advertising agency, right? Like it was a job opportunity. Yeah, it was a job opportunity. It was first of all in Wall Street, was which was deadly boring, and then in in advertising agencies, and that was fun and interesting. And I loved New York City, so I escaped the disapproval and lack of appreciation and lack of love in my childhood, and went traveling the world, basically. Part of that is because there's a gypsy in my soul, I really think that, and a restlessness. So it has its good side and its bad side to it because I, you know, I'm 83, 84 years old this year, and I still have that restlessness within me, still. <laughs> I, I need to get out of lockdown and go somewhere. So it never ends. It's just something that's sewn in you from uh, an early age or 
for whatever reason, I don't really know why. Well, you definitely instilled that sense of adventure and travel and and all that in in us girls. And I'm really glad about that. I mean, you could have had the opposite reaction. You could have hated it and said, oh, why can't we just plonk ourselves down somewhere and have one house (laughs) instead of, you know, going all over the place? We did have wonderful adventures. Yeah, Yeah. we traveled a lot. And, you know, I sometimes joke like other kids went to Disneyland for their summer holiday and we went to the Ashland Oregon Shakespeare Festival and camped you know under the stars and had this whole experience that I don't think most kids have. Well it's nice that you remember it that way but I remember it as it was wonderful because I like the Ashland um, Shakespeare Festival a lot but I remember the camping out under the stars not quite so romantically. I remember it as sleeping out it wasn't cold or anything but there were creepy crawlies everywhere <laughs> I didn't like that. Oh, somehow you kept that to yourself because I don't remember that. It's good that you don't remember that. I, I remember that. But okay, I want to ask you, Mom, when you said you had this rebellious spirit and you sort of always knew you had this rebellion, when did you first notice that? Because it seems like there may have been a time early, early on as a child that you noticed that part of you. I think very young. It's just something that was there mm-hmm. that people, perhaps people are born with certain characteristics or it's genetic. I don't know where it came from, but I just never accepted the ridicule because I was creative and bright and very much like my father who was creative and bright and disliked because of it. And I never accepted that. I just never accepted it. I resented it. So I was seen as an, an unmanageable child, really. And and for context, your mom was born in 1902. She was a young adult in, you know, the 20s and 30s. So it's interesting to see sort of, you know, the the larger perspective of the way women were treated then and what she was dealing with and how she internalized that. And, you know, we see that to this day where we internalize the patriarchal systems that we live within and we end up internalizing that and then, and then actually acting that out in our own families and communities. And so breaking that, breaking that cycle is an important thing to do. I hope this episode brought some inspiration and joy to you. If you're a mom to a human or other creature, I want to wish you a very happy belated Mother's Day. Now that said, I'd also like to explore the origins of Mother's Day to honor the hard work of changing systems and social norms. Historian and professor Kimberly A. Hamlin writes in the Washington Post that, quote, Mother's Day offers an opportunity to think critically about women's domestic labor and what our nation would look like if our laws, corporate policies, and cultural norms treated mothers as autonomous and equal citizens whose labor was valued. In fact, this sort of national reckoning is precisely what women had in mind when they first demanded a national holiday in honor of women in 1914. So this year, let's reconnect to the origins of the holiday, which was to further women's independence, support working moms, and improve maternal and child health. We don't want empty promises, and we don't want just one day of manufactured pampering. As Professor Hamlin notes, celebrating motherhood has become symbolic, not 
substantive. As well women, we are practicing articulating our needs and setting boundaries so we can be strong and powerful voices in our communities, so we can stand up for what's right, achieve equity, and contribute our gifts to the world. If you're celebrating today and this month, I'm celebrating with you. If you're in pain, I feel it with you. If you're ready to roll up your sleeves and stop playing small, the Well Woman Life community is here for you. Thank you for listening to this special series. Celestina Garcia's full interview is already live on the Well Woman podcast. The next week, we'll feature Bobsy Sanandale's full interview. And on May 26th, we'll have Alicia Ortega's interview. We end the series with my interview with my own mom on June 2nd. To find out more, you can go to wellwomanlife.com slash radio. You've been listening to a special series on the Well Woman Show called The Women We Come From, honoring our mothers as distinguished, highly skilled leaders. From the guest hosts, Celestina Garcia, Bobsy Sanandale, and Alicia Ortega. I'm your host, Giovanna Rossi. You can hear all the interviews at npr.org or wellwomanlife.com slash podcast. That's it for our show today. Remember, if you need support to live your Well Woman Life, head over to wellwomanlife.com slash Facebook to join our community. As a reminder, we are on NPR every week, so be sure to tune in at npr.org slash podcasts and search for The Well Woman Show. If you enjoyed today's show, please take a moment and subscribe and leave a review. This helps raise visibility, which is super helpful when it comes to producing the show every week. For feedback, comments, or just to let me know you were listening, find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Well Woman Life. I'm Giovanna Rossi for The Well Woman Show. Until next time, have a super powerful week.